All right. We have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. It is Dylan Campion flying solo on the co-host side, but we're going to be joined by Hannah Wing on today's episode. So let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Side Retired. It's Dylan Campione and today we are joined by digital and in-game host for the Texas Rangers, Hannah Wing. Thanks so much for joining me today and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Absolutely. So obviously Hannah just got to experience a world championship run, so I'm sure that'll come up at some point during our conversation. But to start off, I'll go with a nice general question. You can take it in whatever direction you want to go with, but sort of what is a day in the life of an in-game host like for the Texas Rangers? At what point are you getting to the ballpark? What's the day like? And, you know, what's it like? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have a really interesting hybrid role with the Rangers. So I technically sit in the marketing department. So I have a marketing component to my job. So I started the Rangers college brand ambassador program. And I also started and oversee our entire influencer marketing program. So it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. And then um, on the hosting side of things, I co-host our podcast. I do in-game hosting for all of our home games, which is a lot of them, but it's so fun. And then also digital hosting as well. So it's a lot of different moving parts at once. Um, I don't think anyone in baseball has the job that I do. So I've kind of been able to make it my own over the years, which is really cool. So on, let's say like it's a seven o'clock game day, I'll come in the office around 10, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, like around 11, 11.30, and we'll try and knock out a podcast recording. We do that once every two weeks um, with Jared Sandler, who's on our radio broadcast team, and then Nathaniel Lowe, our first baseman. So we usually try and get those done um, when the team's at home. So usually during the day, we'll have meetings. I'll make sure everything for any influencers coming to the game that night is set. Any scripts I have to write are done. Um, all that good stuff, obviously emails, things like that. And then usually around 2.30, I'll do my hair and makeup for the day. Sometimes I'll even bring a change of clothes for that night's game. And then I'll go down to clubhouse usually around 2.45 or 3, talk to any players I need to either get content from or just visit with them and establish that rapport. Um, go out to Bruce Bochy's media session in the dugout and then stay for a little bit of batting practice. And then I'll go up to our control room, which is where we have our pregame meeting with myself, the host, obviously, graphics, cameramen, directors, all that kind of stuff. So we'll have our big team meeting. And then up there, I'll also record my pregame hit that goes on Ranger Social. It's called Hannah's Highlights. So it just recaps everything happening that night, what color the team is wearing, what time first pitches, who we're playing, what game in the series it is all that kind of stuff, just so fans know what to expect before they get to the game. I usually try and post that before gates open. It just kind of depends on the day. And then we go up to our broadcast level, excuse me, our writing press level, and we'll do what we call family dinner. So it's everyone on the ballpark entertainment team that I work with every day. We all have dinner together. We crack jokes the whole time. We're like a family because we do spend so much time together. So family dinner, usually around 5.30, 5.45. And then my first in-game hit is usually around 6.30, so about 30 minutes prior to first pitch. And then I'll host up until the fifth or the sixth inning during inning breaks or pregame, things like that. Um, I have a really fun variety of hits. And then if it's done, then sometimes I'll leave a little bit early. Sometimes I'll stay till the end of the game. And then also to kind of piggybacking off of that influencer program that I mentioned earlier, if we have an event, then I'll go straight to the event after I'm done, check in with everybody and build those relationships as well. 
No, that's awesome. I guess sort of one of the follow-up questions that would be, did it start off as just one thing, like were you going to be the in-game host? And then obviously the other aspects grew or was it when you first got the job, they basically said, here's seven things we need you to do. Yeah, that's a great question. So it actually has grown a lot since I first started back in 2018. So when I first started, I was helping run our social media channels on game days and I was doing digital hosting. So those are kind of like my main two job responsibilities. And then over the years, um, it's just grown so much now that podcasting is more prevalent and influencer marketing and all of the things that I'm pretty much doing. um, I didn't really start doing until 2019 or 2020. So my first season doing in-game hosting live was actually starting in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess since you just mentioned it, 2020 had to have been an interesting year, definitely on the marketing. There's no one in the ballpark until the very end of the season. So how did that affect your job? Because obviously you definitely played a big role. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a little eerie almost because right when the new ballpark just opened, it was the pandemic. And so we couldn't have any fans and we moved into our new front office. I want to say it was February of 2020. So right before everything happened and it was right before the start of our season, I remember we had our food and media event like a couple of days before opening day. And that was the Wednesday when everything started to shut down. So things kind of took a turn then. Um, We worked from home for a while and then obviously came back um, and had the World Series in the postseason here as a neutral site. So it was really eerie, but also really special for us to have fans inside the ballpark, even though it wasn't necessarily the fan base that we would hope to have our first game in front of. But at the end of the day, I'll remember the day when we were able to have fans for our first game. And of course, it was limited capacity, but the whole front office was standing around the ballparks to all the entrances and they were welcoming fans and being super excited. And it was really special because we were just so excited to finally have fans inside the ballpark and have them be a part of this too, because we spent so much time here and saw how special it really is. No, absolutely. Because I guess the fans are pretty much what makes the job perfect in that you need the fans to be engaged. You need the fans to be there. So basically I guess because obviously the Rangers are really successful this year, but there have definitely been some years that they're not as good as they were in 2023. So is the job, especially in-game, a little different when, you know, the stadium has 40,000 people and it's a packed sellout game versus, you know, you're down 20 to nothing and there's no one there and everyone just wants the game to be over? You know what? I don't think it really changes my job too much because regardless of what's going on, like especially having the new ballpark, that was really exciting for a lot of people. And I think probably just the biggest difference that I could tell would just be the energy, like the postseason environment was so incredibly different from like a regular season game. But it was really fun because we had so many sellouts this year, which was awesome. And so obviously the ballpark was even more packed. There were more people cheering, more people on the concourses and things like that. So it didn't really necessarily change my day to day. It just made everything a little bit more fun. Absolutely. So I will talk about because you just mentioned the postseason run. I don't think anyone expected, especially at the beginning of the year, although Jacob DeGrom was definitely a big addition to the team. But I bet on opening day, if you surveyed everyone around the team, I don't think anyone thought World Series 100%. So what was that sort of surprise run throughout the year? At what point did you know, oh, shoot, we might actually have a chance at this? And then what was that, obviously, October like? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. October was a total blast. Um I don't really know exactly when I realized that we were going to the postseason. I think when we actually realized that we even just clinched a wild card spot, we're like, oh, wow, this is 
actually happening because in the five seasons that I've been here, we haven't had a postseason run. And so it was really exciting whether we were going to Tampa or we'd have a bye for the first few games. We were just happy to be a part of it. And so I did every single road series, which was a blast. I mean, we all know that baseball is an emotional roller coaster. So um, <laughs> I remember watching that Sunday game, the final game of the regular season. And I was thinking, do I have to pack a bag and go to Tampa tomorrow or do we have a bye? Kind of what's going on. So um, within 24 hours, we were packing our bags to Tampa and then packed warmer clothes in case Baltimore happened. And so it was really special being able to travel during that time and just be a part of it and see different ballparks, because obviously we had both Tampa and Baltimore on the road to kick off the postseason. So it was really cool coming back to Arlington, having our fan base here for a postseason game, getting to host postseason games. Um, and just all the excitement that came with that and just that different feeling. So it was really special to be a part of it especially among all the fun champagne showers and the <laughs> celebrations and just being around our fans. It was really, really special. No, oh, absolutely. And then you also mentioned that you sort of have this marketing background as well in there. So is it kind of different, especially obviously a postseason run, you're definitely marketing the highlights of what's happening there, but in the baseball mindset, do you market more the individual player or is it the team as a total? Because I know you've had stars like Seager and DeGrom and Marcus Semien, but the team was also pretty good this year too. Yeah, I think from the top down, we had an awesome roster and there were so many great stories like Travis Jankowski and Evan Carter. And there were all these players that, you know, maybe the fans didn't know everything about at the beginning of the season. I mean, Evan got called up later in the season as it was. So people were just learning about him and what he's capable of. And so I think our strategy was really just the team experience and the postseason experience, having the postseason experience happening at our ballpark, because we haven't had a postseason game that we played in at the ballpark until this season. Of course, we hosted in 2020, like we just talked about, but it was just the whole experience was really exciting. And I think just the team as a whole was something that people and fans in general were just really excited about because they never really seen anything like it and just that resilience that they all had as a unit. No, absolutely. And I know it was around a year ago today that the Jacob deGrom signing did happen. Yes. And unfortunately, as a Mets fan, that was a really sad day for me, but I'm pretty sure that was definitely an exciting day for you. Do you remember what happened on that day or sort of how it came about? And all of a sudden you guys were at a press conference a couple of days later. Yeah, it all happened so fast. So it was actually, I want to say it was on a Friday night because my husband and I were up at Choctaw, which is one of our team partners, but it's a casino up in Oklahoma and they have this huge sports bar and it's so fun on the inside. And so I was doing a partnership collaboration with them for like a weekend stay, kind of like a little staycation. It's like an hour outside of Dallas. And so we were sitting at their massive sports bar there watching, I think it was the Pac-12 championship for football. And then all the notifications started popping up and we all had no idea. We didn't have we just were so excited. And so these notifications are popping up and we're like, oh my gosh, it's happening. So got the graphics all ready. Everyone rolled it out on social media. Our fan base was so excited. And then, like you mentioned, within a couple of days, we had the press conference. And it's one of those things where, same with Simeon and Seeger, where you see it on Twitter and you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to play on our team. That's so exciting. But then when you actually see them at the press conference, <laughs> buttoning their jerseys, taking pictures, when you get to interview them, it just makes everything feel so much more real. So it did all happen very quickly, of course, as signings like that usually do. But it was so exciting and we're just so happy to have him. And even though he didn't get to pitch a full season this year, he just brings so much to this team and everyone just loves him. He's great. No, absolutely. I remember last year, I think my roommate and I were watching Home Alone in the dorm room. And all of a sudden we got the Jeff Pasta notification that DeGrom yep. is gone. And we have been afraid to watch Home Alone this year because we have no clue yeah. what it'll mean for the New York Mets again in 2023. But 
uh, no, that is forever going to be associated in my mind that DeGrom and Home Alone are not great memories, but we shall see what happens in the future because you guys also yes. took Max Scherzer from us. I know. As well. But. I know. It's so funny. You always remember those moments. It's like, where were you like when this happened or when that happened? And it's like all of these big free agent signings or trades. You always remember exactly where you were when they happened. Yeah, absolutely. I think another one of those events that you probably have that sort of you'll remember forever was the Big 12 football championship that you were yes. a part of a couple of weeks ago. What was that experience like for you? It was so much fun. So obviously I'm very comfortable hosting. I host at Globe Life Field all the time. 81 home games. I missed a few for my wedding this past year, but getting to host at AT&T Stadium was so much fun. It was a really full circle moment because in 2019, before I was doing in-game hosting for the Rangers, I was shadowing different hosts in the DFW area. And so I shadowed Shonda, who's like a big sister to me now, and she's the Cowboys host. And so I remember like walking up to her desk in 2019 and thinking it was the coolest thing ever. And then last Saturday, I got to walk over to that desk and I got to host from there, which was really fun. So the Longhorns definitely ran away with it early, but it was a lot of fun to be a part of that. I mean, there's nothing like college football of course I love baseball um, and just love working in baseball and being around it all the time but there's something so special about college football too so it was a lot of fun getting to host that game both from the desk and on the field and I mean that stadium is just massive I got lost so many times (laughs) but it was a great experience and a ton of fun no, absolutely. It sounds like college football, especially down in Texas, is one of those big things. Yes. It's almost even better than professional football. So definitely it's a big deal around here. And it was a fun environment, too, because AT&T was I mapped it. It's right in between Stillwater and Austin. So we had huge pulls from both fan bases. So it was a lot of fun and a lot of orange, too. <laughs> no, that's awesome. But I guess sort of another thing since we just mentioned college is that did you know you wanted to get into broadcasting and journalism while you were in college or did that sort of develop after? And what's that sort of process like? Yeah. So I knew when I was going to college that I wanted to be in journalism. And so I went to Loyola Marymount University my freshman year. They didn't have a journalism program, but I knew I always wanted to go to USC. So I busted my butt freshman year, got really good grades, um, obviously got involved with their athletics program. And I worked baseball games and I would help with like the scoreboard and things like that. So I learned a lot about the behind the scenes of game production. But ironically, I didn't have any in-game hosting experience in college at all. So um, I knew that I wanted to go into journalism, transferred into USC as a sophomore. So I studied broadcast and digital journalism there and had a variety of news classes, sports classes. And then I had two internships outside of sports that still kind of involved communications and broadcast, and then a couple of internships within sports. And so I just realized that sports fit more of my personality and my passion and um, the local news route wasn't ideally what my first choice would have been but if it would have worked out I would have been grateful and kind of gone wherever that took me so I was very thankful to get my job with the Rangers out of college but I definitely knew probably my senior year of high school that I wanted to be in journalism. No absolutely that's awesome and then another one of those cool things about that is that especially in baseball we're seeing more women get involved in the sports in different dimensions whether it's coaching whether it's I know there's a player at college baseball now at this point, obviously you're doing in-game hosting. Do you think that adds any extra value to or is that in the back of your mind that, hey, I know baseball is a lot of men dominated in the industry, but hey, I'm breaking into this as a woman. Yeah, totally. And I think too, especially the Rangers and I think across all of MLB, they've done a really good job uh, hiring women and 
just bringing that youthful female spirit with them. Like we hired probably five or six new women on our team in the last year, which is so exciting within just marketing. So it's definitely trending in a direction where more and more women have opportunities and a big goal of mine between the influencer program and our college brand ambassador program. And also just my job as a host is to make baseball appealing to women and just help open doors for people. Absolutely. That's awesome. And then I guess, cause We've had some people that have been in the baseball industry for 20, 25 years, and they come on with these grand answers. Oh, and back in my day, we kept paper books. So I don't think the game has changed too much since you've gotten into it because it's only been a short five years. But has there been any difference in whether it's in marketing? You know, TikTok has blown up over the last Mm -hmm. couple of years. But has there been a big difference in sort of the marketing of baseball since you've been here? Yeah, I mean, I think influencer marketing is huge. And obviously, I'm a little biased because that's such a big part of my job as well. But I have a call that I host monthly with different teams around MLB that either have an influencer program, want to have an influencer program, or kind of testing the waters. And so I think that it's a trend that we luckily hopped on early back in 2019, towards the end of 2018. Um, so at least we have a lot of years of experience under our belt. So we've learned a lot and we can help other teams do so. But like I mentioned earlier, trying to reach that young female demographic, there's no better way to do that. And I think, you know, even the commissioner having the rule changes and the pitch clock and shorter games and, you know, really trying to tap into the personalities of the athletes and making them marketable on and off the field is huge. So I think that baseball as a whole obviously has lots of history, lots of traditions, and those things shouldn't always be changed. But I think that it's heading more of a direction where, it's catering to that younger demographic, whether it's the rule changes or influencer marketing. And I think that MLB uses influencer marketing in a really powerful way. I know that we do too. And to be quite honest, I didn't really know anything about it when I first started here. And it's such a big part of my role now and something that a lot of teams are jumping on board with. So I would say influencers have definitely helped shift um, the marketing space, whether it's in sports or a different industry. Absolutely. I think baseball is trying their hardest to do the let the kids play movement, trying to make it as fun as mm-hmm. possible. Players like Acuna, players like Fernando Tatis, telling them to sort of like show their personality and try to advise the younger generation of how to play the game is definitely an interesting strategy for the league. But you have mentioned it a couple of times. So for our listeners who might not know what the influencer program mm-hmm. is like, if you want to give a quick summary of sort of what is it like, what do you do with it and how does that help out the Rangers? Yeah. So we have luckily in Dallas, we have a huge influencer market. And so we have a variety of different kind of tiers within our program. So we have our game day campaign. So we'll have local Dallas content creators out to a variety of our home games. Um, We'll give them tickets, merchandise, things like that. And then just in return, we'll have them post their game day experience on their social platforms. And we work with a really diverse group of influencers from a couple thousand followers to a couple million followers like Dude Perfect and some really big names in the Dallas area, which is a lot of fun. So our biggest thing is just trying to spread the Rangers game day experience to as many people as we can. And influencer marketing is a great way to do that because it's people that might not be served traditional Rangers marketing content, or they might not see billboards, or they might not be served the ads or whatever it may be. So it's a really fun way to get the younger demographic on board with coming to Rangers games and they see how fun it is. And it kind of just depends on the creator. We give them a lot of freedom, but some people like to highlight the ballpark food and some people might just want to come out for that. Or even if you aren't a big fan of baseball or really care about what's happening on the field, we have a double-decker bar in our Carbock Brewing Sky Porch, or we have a bunch of different fun experiences and social things that you can do as a fan. So we really try to highlight that 
And then we'll give everyone a custom promo code to help promote ticket sales and things like that. So we can track on the back end how exactly the program's doing. And then one of my favorite things too is throughout this season, we'll host different events. So we'll do a girls' night out suite and bring in some local Dallas female owned vendors and then invite a bunch of, you know, female content creators from the Dallas area to bring a girlfriend out to a game. And a lot of people come to their first Rangers games that way, then they become fans and they want to come back to the game and things like that. So um, that's a really, really kind of overarching view of the program itself, but it's a lot of separate campaigns promoting the game day experience to their followers and whatever niche makes sense to them and then events on top of it. Obviously, that's awesome. There's obviously a lot of really great reasons to come to the Texas Rangers games. Obviously, the performance on the field is one thing, but there's also a great ambiance around the stadium. I know my dad and I visited on our quest to visit all 30 parks. We visited the old stadium, but unfortunately, it got torn down the year after. And I think we weren't paying too much attention. We thought, oh, we're going to hit Dallas. We're going to hit Houston. And then we didn't realize that it was getting torn down the next year. So I guess we have to go back and re-hit up the Texas Rangers. Yeah, come over and see it. It's awesome. And that's air conditioning too. So in the summer, that's a big win for people. That was a big one. I think we went in the middle of June and that was our one big complaint. We went to Houston and they have the dome. And then we went to Texas and we were just boiling in the middle of the heat. And we're like, "Uh uh-oh. No, definitely a fun environment. So we do have three fun questions that we always throw at all of our interview people at the end of the interview. I know James is always on top of these. So I guess I'm going to have to take over the role on this episode. So hopefully, James, if you're listening, I don't screw up your segment, but let's give it a shot. And the first one is that walk-up songs are always a big deal in Major League Baseball. I know players agonize about it for days, trying to figure out what that hype song is going to be for them. So if all of a sudden you were playing in the World Series and that song needs to come out at Texas Rangers Field, what's playing? I would say, you know, it's it's a really hard question. And I know that we have some players that change their song so many times throughout the season. And I don't blame them because it would be really hard to just pick one and then rock with it the whole season. <laughs> but I would say I would have to do higher by Creed because that was our anthem of the postseason. And I think that it manifested lots of great things for us. And Creed even came out to a game and <laughs> it was this whole thing. And it was so fun. So I would definitely say higher by Creed. I love it. Absolutely. And how about your favorite memory with the Texas Rangers so far? I know it's going to be hard not to pick the World Series. I know. That's it. Absolutely. But if there's. Yeah, I would definitely say winning the World Series. I would say winning the World Series and then also game seven in Houston. But of course, winning the World Series. I mean, that's it doesn't get better than that. That's for sure the number one. I would say maybe like one A, one B. But yeah, being able to be there on the field right after the champagne showers and just having our fans there. I mean, so many fans flew to Arizona. Um, I'm from Southern California, and so my parents drove out to Arizona. My husband and two of his best friends flew in. So we had everybody there, and it was just so special, and it still doesn't feel real sometimes. It was so (laughs) cool. No, that's awesome. That's one of those things you'll never forget being a part of a World Series championship team. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And then the third one we have for you is because a lot of our listeners are in that high school to college age. So if you had a piece of advice for maybe someone who's like you were a couple of years ago in college, wants to enter journalism or broadcasting industry, if you had one nugget that you wish you had back then or something you'd want to tell them? Yeah, I guess I have two. So one of them would be just get involved wherever you can within athletics. Um, just kind of pave your own path if you want to go into broadcasting. Start your reel earlier than you think. Um, I would do a lot of stand-up days where I would just drive around L.A. when I was at USC and I would do different stand-ups and fake interviews with people whenever I had to and things like that. So 
just the reps are everything. So just get those however and whenever you can, whether it's interviewing your friends that are athletes or, you know, getting experience on a student run show, like do whatever you can. And also do your best to also learn behind the scenes. So you have a greater appreciation for everyone that one day when you're in my shoes, when you have a video editor or an A2, like someone that's helping with your audio, that you understand a lot of those things because it truly does take a village. So it's important to understand as many different aspects as you can. And then also a big thing that I would tell you, especially if you're a senior and you're applying to jobs, be willing to move anywhere. I think a lot of times people want to work for their childhood team or they don't want to move out of the city that they're in. And a lot of times with sports, you never know where it's going to take you. So you have to be open to whatever opportunity comes your way. So I had the mindset my entire senior year that I was probably going to move out of Southern California because if I wanted to be on camera, there was no way that would happen even close to Southern California. And so I luckily moved to Texas and I love it here. So just be open to moving wherever it may take you. And also um, just be open to different sports. Like now there's the XFL and there's in Fort Worth, we have an indoor lacrosse team and there's so many different sports and leagues that are being created or that have experiences where you might not get to do just one thing. A lot of times like minor league baseball, for example, you have one job there, but you're doing 16 different things. And that's a great way to learn and see what you like and what you don't like. So you might want to work for an MLB team or an NBA team or an NFL team right out of college, but also be willing to expand your horizons to get more opportunities and get your foot in the door. No, absolutely. That's great advice. I love it. And I assume I've taken a lot of information out of this interview. Hopefully a lot of our yeah. listeners have as well, but this has been a blast so far to get to talk to you. And unfortunately, because I don't want to hold you up for too long, we have what some people have called us our hardest question of the okay. day that some of our listeners have asked. But um, we usually, as a reward for people coming on the show with us, we like to give you a say in the future of the show. And if you'd like to nominate someone else from your baseball journey or someone that you've worked with that you think could be a cool next guest to have on the show. That's really cool. Let me think. I would say, I'm trying to think, um, Alyssa Bergamini is amazing. So she has her own podcast. I was on her podcast a few weeks ago, but she does a lot of work with the Chicago Bulls and she's also the White Sox in-game host. So I will pass the torch on to her and she's awesome. So I love it. Absolutely. No, that sounds like a blast. Thanks so much. But again, I've really had a blast getting to talk to you today. This is Thank so you. much Me fun. Too. I know James wishes he was here, but I'm sure he's going to listen back on this and say, shoot, I can't believe I missed this. But All good. Good luck on finals. I know it's the worst. Absolutely. It's that time of year. But of course, there's always much fun baseball content out there to give our listeners. So always have a grind, but it's always so much fun and really appreciate you hopping on the podcast today with me. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. So for Perfect. Dylan Campione and Hannah Wing, until the next time, the side is retired.